Let me ask you a question. This is a personal question. You, I hope you can answer it, but if you don't want to, that's all right. How many of us have family or friends who profess to be atheists? I do. How many of us have family or friends, though they may not profess to be atheists, they are unbelievers, and uh, you're, you're certain of that because that's their, that's their confession, that they're, they're not sure or they don't believe one or the other. All right. I think it was three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I had everyone. By, by the way, invitations, um, they kill me when nobody comes forward. Now, I'm not saying that to guilt you, okay? It just kills me. And, and for many, many years, you know, God always gave us really great invitations where people would come and get saved and pray and join and all kinds of stuff. And so I stand up here and die in an invitation a lot of times. But I'm going to keep on doing it because there may someone come in, someone come in who needs the Lord, who God's going to touch, and they're going to come and receive Christ. And if it's worth me dying a little bit every so often, then that's okay. And if you're dying out there because it's an invitation, go ahead and die with me. It's okay. Okay, dying is a great way to live. I want you to know that. So I think it was three weeks ago, I had everyone raise their hands and ask them if, and I asked if uh, you're not sure you're saved, would you please raise your hand up? And no hands went up at all. Uh, I, I love it when family and friends invite, when people invite family and friends to church. Uh, I think it was last week, the Kelly family brought I want to say boat people with them. They're not really, <laughs> you know, they're not refugees. They're, they're, they're people that travel around and they're, and they're, what do you call it, flotilla or something like that? I don't know what it is. But there, there was a whole family that came with them, filled up uh, a whole row and a little bit more than that. Uh, and I, I love it when people bring. I know that the Gorkins often bring uh, employees and, uh, and friends. They've got a friend here right now, uh, and they're in the hospital. They would be here, I promise you, be sitting right over there, and Gary would have his own personal fan aimed right at him, right over there. Uh, uh, others bring family or friends when they're out of, from out of town or maybe visiting or, or whatever. And I know the Johnsons have one of their daughters back from college, and, uh, and I, I love it when that all happens. Uh, and when we do that, there's always the possibility that, A, someone might receive Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, B, that maybe their walk in their life is not exactly what it ought to be, and maybe God will get a hold of their heart. Um, many times I've been in service. I mean, I, only, I think you only get saved one time. That's all, I, that's all the times you can get saved. It's not like being born. You only get born one time. You can't, you know, you can't physically be born another time and then another time. I don't believe in... Uh, reincarnation or any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, but, uh, but, but, but it's um, uh, maybe I've been in church and, and God has just gotten a hold of my heart. I didn't expect it. I didn't plan on it. But then some big decision is made in my life. And God deals with some issues in my heart. And that happens when we're faithful to God's house. So uh, bringing people, I think, is very, very important. But in reality, in reality, I believe most evangelism should take place outside the church. I think most evangelism should take place daily in the path that God leads us. When we run into people who are on their way to hell, many of them, the majority of people are on the way to hell. And you have the gospel, you have the truth, you have the word of God. You're not perfect. You're an imperfect vessel. We all are. But we have the way of life living within us. We have the Holy Spirit of God living with us. In fact, if we're born again, our body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what the Bible says, what Paul said. 
So we are taking, we are vessels taking the Holy Spirit out into this world. And, and someone said we ought to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when we walk around, we splash out uh, on, uh, over people. And, and that Holy Spirit ought to be able to be a testimony of, who, of who's inside of us and what those people need. Now, you are the evangelists. I'm not your hired gun. I'm not your spiritual gunslinger going out there and pow, 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 got that one, pow, got that one for the Lord, pow, 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 got that one for the Lord. You are evangelists. You're called of God. All of us are. And the people with whom you cross paths are your personal encounters. And we're talking about, we're going to talk about close encounters over the next uh, several weeks, eight, nine, ten weeks. We'll talk about how Jesus interacted with people one-on-one. We know how he interacted in crowds. We're going to look at uh, several different instances of how he dealt with people. Next week, uh, Stranger in the Night, uh, how he talked to Nicodemus and uh, what happened, what was, was the result from that conversation. Some of these personal encounters that you and I have that we didn't even plan to have are divine appointments. I mean, <laughs> you get stopped by an officer. You maybe didn't plan on that. But it, that may be a divine appointment. You say, well, it's a really expensive one. How much is a soul worth? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if you get an opportunity to be pleasant and, and, and to be a testimony, your waitress, if, if you go to a restaurant today and you have a waitress, you, don't, you maybe don't know her, him or her, you maybe don't know anything about them, and they're going to wait on you, and, and maybe they're going to do a great job. Maybe they're going to do a lousy job, but you don't know where they are in life. You don't know what's going on. And if you treat them nicely and you leave some kind of a testimony with them, they might read that, whereas if you're mean to them or you're, you, you don't like their service and you make it very known to them that you don't like their service, they probably aren't going to put a lot of value in what you have to say to them about the Lord. But it may be a divine appointment distractions, things that, things that interrupt what we were planning on doing, maybe divine appointments. Let's not look at everything as a frustration. Let's look at things through the eyes of God and say, okay, God allowed this person to cross my path. Is there a reason that he has that I can discern? Can I make a difference in their life? Are we seizing the moment? Carpe diem, are we seizing the moment, seizing the day? Or are we Letting those moments slip through our fingers like dry sand. It will not feel good at the great white throne judgment when friends and family and neighbors and co-workers stand before the great white throne and are told, depart from me, I never knew you. That will not feel good. You say, preacher, you're trying to scare me. Whatever it takes. Whatever t- I would rather scare you into telling someone about Christ than you not tell them about Christ. I can't scare you into I, You know that. I, I, but, but at the same time, it is absolutely important that we become the evangelist that God wants us to be. Falling into the hands of an angry God uh, and a judgmental God when we don't have the blood of Christ cleansing us from our sins ought to be a very scary thing. So what can we do about it? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have tools to help you on this back table. We have other things we're going to share with you uh, to, to help you to be the evangelist that God wants you to be. Now, John 3.16, everybody knows John 3.16, so we'll, we'll start right there. And 
One of the tools on the back table is a little book that you probably can't see it here, but it'll be on the screen. Uh, this is the uh, Four Spiritual Laws. Campus Crusade for Christ, who have changed their name to Crew, C-R-U, I think. Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ uh, used this, and, and literally millions and millions of these have been pr- produced and sent out. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright was the founder and originator of the Four Spiritual Laws, and so he, wants, he says, God wants you to know four things. You, may, you don't have, look, to be an evangelist, you don't have to know the entire Bible. You don't have to have it all memorized. You don't have to know the answer to every question people are going to throw at you. You go talk to them about the Lord, and they say, well, I just want to know, where did Cain get his wife? Uh, Nebraska, I think. Uh, maybe it was. Uh, maybe it was North Dakota. I'm not sure. No, you don't. You don't have to know the answer to everything. We, uh, you can. Here's what you say when you're talking to someone and, and they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. Don't try to manufacture some answer, but just say, you know what? That's a great question. Let's figure that out. But let's let's talk about this right now, and then I will either answer or get you the answer for that later on. I mean, just, just be honest. I don't, I don't necessarily know, but you know what? Can, can I talk to you about this right now? So here's the thing. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting. Everlasting life. The first spiritual law, according to the four spiritual laws, is that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You may not think so right now. You may not think it's all that wonderful right now, but God has a plan for your life. And you may not know that God loves you, but he does the word of God. And God himself, who cannot lie, says that he's loved you with an everlasting love. So God so loved the world. John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. So that's law number one. But then they say there's something blocking God's law, love. There's something that is preventing us from having an abundant life. And the second spiritual law answers that question of what it is. It says humanity is tainted by sin, and we are therefore separated from God. When the absence of light in that little color um, track that we gave to the kids, when when the light turns out, it gets dark, and and so that darkness speaks of the sinfulness of our soul. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, this preacher, first and foremost, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. We may look at each other, and this is the danger of comparing ourselves with each other, because we look at each other and we think, yeah, uh, I'm doing better than him, and I'm not doing so well as him, and I, uh, yeah, she's pretty spiritual. Uh, she's not, so I'm doing better than she is. You know, that, that's what we do. But guess what? We've all sit, we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. And because of that, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So according to the four spiritual laws, according to the word of God, we are all going to have to die. Ultimately, physical death is because of spiritual death and because of disobedience to God. (coughs) So God loves us. He has a wonderful plan for our life. Law number one, something is blocking us from that law and that abundant life, and that's our sin and and, and our sin nature. So the third spiritual law answers this whole thing by saying Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and restore a right relationship with God. In Romans 5.8, God has proved his love or commended his love in the KJV, proved his love for, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Long before you were born, Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. But you were in his mind. 
because he died for the sins of the whole world. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, for we delivered unto you first, uh, first importance, that's what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus taught that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6, and no one comes to the Father but by him. Now, my question to you this morning is, do you really believe that? I do. Well, preacher, what about people who've never heard? That's why we're supposed to tell them. What about people in cultures where they don't, they're not Christian? That's why we're supposed to send missionaries. That's why we have an obligation to, to send people out. Uh, we, we, we have a church starting in Lebanon, in Beirut, Lebanon, that we're invested in financially and prayerfully. We have, um, uh, we have uh, uh, the Kellys who are ministering and going to be ministering to missionaries and relieving them and helping them on the field and, and, and preaching the word of God and teaching the word of God and doing the work of ministry. We have uh, Ryan who's in Israel right now. I assume he's still in Israel right now um, and uh, is going to be with navigators and leading service personnel to Christ and showing them. And, and so we're invested in these missionaries and churches all over um, give money and time and effort and energy to people who take the gospel because Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by him. I don't care how moral a person is. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. So, so that's the third law. Fourth law is you can receive that gift of eternal life. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become the children of God. In Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Salvation comes from God alone by grace through faith. Okay, Kenny. So we'll use the terminology. You got to set the hook. Once you've given them the four spiritual laws, you've got to set the hook and reel them in. What good does it do to tell them that, that God loves you, he's got an abundant life for you, but there's something that's blocking, and that sin, and that sin was paid for uh, by Jesus Christ, by shedding his blood, by dying for you, and you can be saved, you can become part of God's family uh, by receiving that and believing that. What good is it if we tell them all of that and then don't go ahead and close the deal? I'm not trying to make merchandise out of this, but closing the deal. How many remember Fuller Brush Salesman, or you've heard about Fuller Brush Salesman? They used to go door to door. How many remember uh, Encyclopedia Salesman used to come? I had a guy guilt me into buying a whole stinking set of uh, encyclopedias one time, and, and, and he came to my, and he's like, I don't remember what it was, three or $400 and back in the 70s, and that's a stinking lot of money. Can I say stinking in the pulpit? And uh, so... So I, he said, oh, you drive that, that nice car, and you don't even care about your kids enough to buy them a set of encyclopedias. Well, I'll show him. So I bought a set of encyclopedias on one condition. Condition was he come to church the next Sunday. Did he come to church next Sunday? No. Did I have the, the encyclopedias? Yeah, until we gave them away to the Goodwill store, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, but uh, you know what? You close the deal, set the hook, reel them in. And how do you do that? Look, the Bible uses that analogy. We're to be fishers of people, fishers of men. And so we bring, how do we do that? By saying, would you like, do you believe that Christ died for you? Do you believe that, that you can be forgiven? Would you like to have your sins forgiven? Then let's pray. And by faith, ask him to be your savior. That's the four spiritual laws.
I won't be able to take so long on, on each of these, but I, I want to show you how you can use them. So that's, that's that one. Um, then the Romans Road is my favorite. That's, that's my favorite. Now, this is a little different than the Romans Road I use, but it's the one I, could, I found online. And so we've got a We've got a hundred of the four spiritual laws back in the back on that table. We've got a hundred of Romans Road. Now, what I like about the Romans Road is when I first learned it, all I had to remember was the first verse to go to in my Bible. And, and in my New Testament, I'd go to Romans 3.10. That's all I had to remember. Go to Romans 3.10. And in Romans 3.10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then right behind that verse, I wrote 3.23. And in the same book, the book of Romans, I'd go to the third chapter and verse 23. And it says, therefore, all sin comes short of the glory of God. Same verse in the four spiritual laws. And then right behind 323, I'd write in 623, 6 colon 23, chapter 6, verse 23 of the same book. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then I wrote behind that one, 5, 8, Romans 5, 8. God commended or proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then... Behind that, I wrote 10 and colon, 9 and 10 and 13. And it says in verse 9 that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. And then verse 13 says, it's a blank check to you, folks. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. I like to add one other verse that's not in Romans. 1 John chapter, if they pray and they, they trust Christ, I like to give them 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Christ? Have you put your faith in him? Yes. Then it says that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't have to think so, hope so, maybe. No, it says you can know you have eternal life. That's the Romans road. We've got a hundred of those back there. Third thing someone might talk to you about is lifestyle evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism is not confrontational. Lifestyle evangelism is not necessarily giving them a track. Lifestyle evangelism is not necessarily in a conversation working in that they need Christ as their personal Savior, and there's heaven and there's hell, and Jesus died and there's blood. Lifestyle evangelism is trying to live a life that people observe and are attracted to as they look at you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Be living letters known and read of all men. Be living letters known and read of all men. Be living epistles, it says in the King James Version. So uh, people read your life. Help them do things. Help them move. Uh, invite them over for dinner. Uh, mow their grass. Watch their kids. Talk with them when you come in at night and see them out in the yard. Uh, these are all great things. But I got to tell you something. Nobody is going to know how to get to heaven by watching you mow the lawn. Your lifestyle ought to be consistent with your profession. Your walk and your talk ought to agree. You know that? Your walk and your talk. Because if your talk is you need Christ as your Savior, he'll make a difference in your life, and your neighbor hears you yelling and screaming at each other uh, every night you know, at the dinner table, it's not going to go a long ways. Or if you're mean to them or rude to them and never say hi and you're not friendly and so on. And then you say, oh, but you need to receive Christ as your Savior because he loves you and I love you. And they're thinking, yeah, right. 
So lifestyle is important, but nobody is going to know, even if you make the best chicken whatever dish in the whole world and take it over to them, they're not going to know how to get to heaven because you can't get to heaven by eating chicken. You get to heaven by putting your faith in Christ. So I wanted to mention that. God's simple plan of salvation. This one is a much more detailed with a lot more scripture on it, and it's, it's very good. It's God's plan of salvation. It's pretty much the Romans road, but it's got a lot more than that in it. I personally have given out tons of these things, but I don't know how many people will read them all because it's quite a bit. So, uh, but it's, it's in much more detail. If you find someone, uh, engineers will probably like this a lot. Technical people, computer people who read computer manuals. You people who read manuals, you people who when you download something and click, you know, you read all that junk and you click, I, I don't know what I'm agreeing. I could be agreeing to them. They can come and rob me anytime they want to and I won't prosecute them. I don't know the difference because I don't read any of it. I just, where's the agree? Where's the agree? Click. Okay. That's not, that's not. So if you really enjoy, if you know somebody that's really analytical, they will love this track. It goes into much more detail. Or uh, one that uh, I really like, I, I mentioned this, How to Get to Heaven from Coronado. See? So those are on the back also. We got a lot more than 100 of these, so we got a bunch of these. This has got our church name on the back. So far, these ones I've showed you don't have our church name on them. We can get them, but they don't have them. But this one has it. So inside, it, it uses the, the, the theme of traffic. It's got the state of California. And uh, so inside, it's stop. All of a sudden, come short the glory of God. It's got do not enter. The road enter, ends here. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wrong way, go back. God says you need to turn around, talks about repentance. Uh, God says there's only one way, got a one-way sign. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. God says you need to change drivers. Hey, you see the bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot? You better let him be the pilot. Huh? Better let him be the pilot. He's not your co-pilot. But as many as receive him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. And so then he gives a little uh, kind of a sample prayer. And that's an excellent tool. It's very... It's not real long. It's simple so non-engineers can get it, huh? Because we know what road signs are. So those are very, very helpful as well. Uh, I don't ha- yeah, I do have one. No, I don't have one here, but I, we've got a picture of it. The, the one I tell you that I use, we've got lots of these too, how to get, get out of hell free card. In fact, I'm at the, I'm at the uh, car wash the other day and reading a book on my iPad, and all of a sudden somebody's handed me, here, here's a get out of hell free card. And I'm looking up, and it's Dan Malcolm. Uh, so, you know, he's trying to get his preacher saved, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but on one side, it says, get out of hell free, John 3.16. On this side, it gives some of the Roman road uh, references. Uh, I love these for, for, I carry them all the time. I've got some in my, my wallet right now. And when we go to a restaurant later on today, when I get ready to leave a tip, first of all, I will leave a good tip. If you do not leave tips or do not leave get good tips, Tell them you go to some other Methodist church or Lutheran church. Don't tell them you go to First Baptist church. Tell, tell them I go to, you know, any, any other uh, assembly of God. I'm, I'm not picking on one. Just tell them. It, don't tell them you go here if you don't leave a tip and if you're not decent with them. But if you're going to leave a good tip, leave that. I've only had one person in the years of using that who refused to take it. Many times they've come back to me and said, Thank you for that card. That was so cool. And sometimes they say, can you give me another one? I have a friend who needs one. 
And I say certainly, and go ahead and give it to them. So, so that's, it's a real, that's a real simple witnessing tool. My car tracks, I've got, I've got weird cars. So uh, this is one, my wife's idea, uh, and I've given out hundreds, if not probably thousands of these over the last, holy cow, uh, 20 years that I've had these weird cars. Um, and, and this has got a picture of one of, of the four-door Avanti. And the thing that people always say to me, especially younger people, what kind of car is that? What kind of car? I'm, I'll go up to a stoplight, and someone will say, hey, roll your window down. Roll your, what kind of car is that? And I, I'll take a track, wad it up, and throw it at them. To kind of, and I said, that'll tell. That'll explain it. To, went to the car wash, and, and I gave two of them out at the car wash while before it even got washed, they were saying, what kind of car is that? And then it's, uh, and so it explains a little bit about the car, but then it goes into uh, how, like the car, Studebaker went defunct, and then other corporations were formed to produce more Avantis through the years, then they would go out of business, and another one, and I talk about how that we, uh, we, uh, were made in the image of God, and we crashed, and and as a had a human had a sin nature, and now we've been made anew. We're a new creature in Christ, and so try to draw a parallel there. And people read those, get those kinds of things. Maybe you can do something along the lines of one of your your businesses. Now, this particular picture, I had a good buddy, uh, Calvin Deese, who passed away this last week, and his wife uh, found this track. Uh, in his Bible, and they, they live, I don't even know where they live now, I, I can't remember, some other state, but uh, he's probably had that track, because that's my old one, I, I don't even have that one, uh, probably 15 or 20 years ago is when he got that track, and he still has it, and it was in his Bible, and uh, so she just wanted me to see that, so uh, decals, we've got the First Baptist Church, you can't read a decal and figure out how to go to heaven, uh, that just, but at least it lets people know there's a witness, there's a, there's a church on the island, and, and many, many, many other things. Now, I should have gotten some of these. This came in the mail when we ordered some of these, and it's 100 Reasons and Ways to Use Gospel Tracks. And it's pretty cool. Uh, it talks about tracks can get inside homes and stay there. There's an example of one that did. Uh, you can't. Tracks never lose their temper or become involved in arguments. You can't argue with a track. I don't believe Jesus is the only way. I said, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. It's not going to argue with him. It's just going to say the same thing it said a few minutes ago. It's going to keep on saying the same thing an hour from now, a week from now. They don't lose their temper. They don't argue. Tracks never flinch. <laughs> Tracks never get embarrassed and, and, and refuse to, to witness. Uh, tracks can stick to the point without compromising. Tracks never get discouraged. Tracks are willing to be sent anywhere. All kinds of things here. And then uh, ways not to use them. Don't litter. Don't just throw them around, you know. Uh, put them, don't put them in mailboxes. That's against the law. Did you know that? Uh, if it's not got a stamp on it and so on. Uh, don't put it in public places where it's not allowed. Don't take your employer's time to witness and pass out tracks if you're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be doing your job it's it's never right to do right by doing something that's wrong okay uh don't force tracks on people they won't take them the guy who didn't want it i didn't say hey you come back here take this right now i, I didn't do that uh, that would be counterproductive don't be rude if someone turns it down don't trespass so on so there's all kinds of reasons but tracks are great this one it's like the wordless book. We just went over that with the kids, so I'm not going to go over it again, but it explains it all in detail right here, giving the, the verses. Uh, and then 
Uh, let me close with this one, the, your personal testimony. This is probably the most powerful witnessing tool you have and probably the most underutilized one, your own personal testimony. It doesn't depend on having a tract with you. Sometimes when I get ready to leave a tip and I get my wallet out and I, I look for my, my get-out-of-hell-free card, see, I'm down to one right now. I'm down to one. Sometimes I give out the last one, and I look, and I, I don't have it, and I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm sad about that. But you know what you always have with you? Your own personal testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You know what Jesus did for me? He gave me everlasting life, saved my soul, forgave me my sins, washed me clean and pure. He loves me unconditionally. He's changed my life, my heart, my desires. He's, he's working on me daily. He prays for me. He intercedes for me in heaven. Tell people your story. Well, I'm a preacher, I'm, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of not being able to answer a question. There's not a question they can ask. You, you just say to them, you know what? That's a great question. I'll get you an answer. I don't know it right now, but I'll get you an answer. You don't have to be afraid of that. Well, I, I'm afraid they'll laugh at me. So what? They laughed at Christ. They jeered at him. They, they nailed him with nails. They crowned him with thorns. They beat him with whips. Being laughed at is not the worst thing that can happen to you, folks. Well, I'm afraid of offending them. Do you love them? If you offend them, where are you going to run them off to? There's no hell number two or hell number three or hell number four. They're already going to hell if they're not saved. Do you love them enough to give them the gospel? If you walked by their house and their house was on fire, would you just keep on walking by? Or would you knock on the door, try to get their attention, get in there, get them out, help them? So pray for the right time, folks. Divine appointments. Seizing the day. You go to the bonds and you're in a line. That person in front of you maybe needs Christ. That person behind you maybe needs Christ. And instead of griping and groaning like I do sometimes when I get in lines, let's make some something out of the opportunity we have with somebody else who's in line, a captive audience. Pray for the right time, then work it into your conversation. And you know what? There is a science to doing that. There is a, you, you can get better with that. How do you, how do you break into a conversation? You're talking about work. How do you, how do you turn the conversation? There, there are dozens and dozens of ways, hundreds of ways. There, there's no right way and wrong way. I mean, just, just practice it and, and tell, look for, look for and be listening for avenues into a conversation about eternal life. Otherwise, we'll continue to let divine appointments slip through our fingers. Now, here's what I want, us, I want you to do. I want everybody here, whether you're going to do anything else with it or not, I want, I want you to humor me. Take one of these out of the seat backs, okay? I want you to take one of these out of the seat backs. Everybody, if you're in the front row, they're in the back behind you. Everybody needs to have one of these right now, our connection card. In just a moment, 
I'm going to have a word of prayer. And I, I, okay, if you're not ready to do this, then I'm not going to tell you to do it just for me, okay? I, I, I don't want to, I said that a minute ago, just humor me, but um, if, if you know somebody, ideally three people, if you can think of three people that you know where you work, in your family, your neighbors, whatever, who need Christ, I want you to write their name down. You don't have to write their whole name. Just I want you to write down. You may not even know some of your neighbors' names today. It's not an uncommon thing. But I want you to write their name down. And then I want you to bring them up here. I don't have a table. Pat, maybe bring that little table right over here. I, yeah, I'll get it. And, and then I just want you to put them on this table. And then what we'll do, my wife and I, and then also Julie, will, I'm sure will do this, is we will pray for these people that you write down their names. And we'll pray for you to have an opportunity to witness that person for Christ. So, so let's pray first of all. Our Father in heaven, the most serious business in the whole wide world is talking to people about their eternal home where they'll be forever and no one here wants to see their friends family neighbors co-workers go to hell nobody wants that so Lord God I pray that you would put on our hearts and minds the names of people that we know of who need Christ and that you would give us the opportunity and that when given the opportunity to witness for you that we wouldn't be too embarrassed or too afraid that we would be tactful and loving and Christ-like and that we would plant the gospel seed or maybe water the seed a little bit or maybe even get to bring in the harvest as someone wants to turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior Father give us those names we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As the praise team sings, I want you just to write those names down. Once you get them written down, bring them up here, put them on the table, go back and be seated. We'll give you just a few minutes to do that as they sing.
right table. Feel free to take the tracks with you as many as you would like and as many as you'll use. They do no good sitting there on the table, but as they go out prayerfully to your family and friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, could make a big, even perfect strangers could make a big difference. So take those and use those. Um, I want to mention the ladies' Bible study this Friday morning at 9.30. They're in an excellent program, an excellent Bible study. You will love it. Uh, also want to mention right after this service, guys, if you could help me stack the chairs, uh, except for the ones that we'll put around six tables, and we'll get the tables off the patio for the last MOPS meeting of this season. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow morning. If you could help get this table set up and the chairs folded, I'd appreciate it. Uh, and then next Sunday, Close Encounters with Jesus, Stranger in the Night, Story of Nicodemus. And I might surprise you a little bit with uh, what I think, after some study, uh, Nicodemus's immediate response was. So that little teaser there. Uh, Tuesday, we will begin uh, painting in here, begin some renovation. So anybody who will be available, if you're available uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, I would say from probably about, is it, John, are you here about 10? 9.30, on. If you can come and help out, we'll have what you need here. Just uh, wear some clothes that'll be okay to paint in. Uh, that'll be the first phase of what we're doing is painting. So I want you to do that. Right now, these names up here, they're not just names. Uh, they are people. They represent people who are going to be in heaven or hell forever. And they're the responsibility of each one of us to tell them about the Lord. So let's pray for them right now, and let's pray for each other as we go out into the world, taking the message of the gospel. Father, as we bow this morning, we're overwhelmed that you would love us. We're amazed that you would care enough about us to send your only begotten son to die on a cross. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's not saved and not sure, I pray that after this service, they would, they would let us know and we would be able to talk with them and be able to pray with them so that they would know that eternity is, them, is for them too. Eternity with you is for them as well. Father, for every name written down, for every reference to every person on these cards right up here in the front, may you prepare them for the gospel that will be delivered to them. And Father, for those of us who will go out in the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would anoint us to be the evangelists that you've called us to be. And God, help us to be tactful and loving and to share the best, most wonderful story that's ever been shared. Father, thank you for each guest here today. Walk with us as we leave this place and help us to have a blessed Lord's Day. For we ask it in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.